How many of you were here for our night of worship last Sunday night? Wasn't it just a great moment to be together? This place was packed. I believe every chair was full. Uh, we had people sitting up, up in here, and uh, it was just great. So I thank you so much for making room for that in your schedule and inviting people. And we're just going to continue in that same spirit this morning. We've been talking about charged these last, this is the fifth week we've been talking about charged, and we've been... Really, the whole this whole series is really about our devotion to God this year, which is our love, our loyalty, and our enthusiasm. And we've been talking about our devotion, and our devotion to God is going to be what makes this year a success for you. It will be what makes this year a success for you and your family. Uh, I, I truly believe that. And we and we talked about fasting, and we went through 14 days of prayer and fasting, and then we talked about worship, and we talked about the Word, how all of these things are instruments that God has given to us to stay plugged into him throughout this year and they are all weapons that God is giving his church so that we could have a, a, a successful year so that we can stay charged up in his spirit and that's what this session has has really been about this uh, the, the, these last few weeks as we've been diving into this uh, and and then today we're going into we're talking about prayer and you say well you talked about fasting and prayer. I, I, we did, but uh, I, I, I'm, I was thinking about doing these back to back, but as I was praying, uh, I really thought we needed to do these separately, talking about prayer after we finished the season of fasting, because because unlike fasting, fasting is often done in seasons. It's done whether at the beginning of the year. It's done, uh, some people do it once a week. Some people do it once a month. But prayer is something that must continue after your fast. Amen. Prayer is something that God has intended for us to do on a daily basis. So, and we've been talking, I've been using the, uh, the, the cell phone as, a, as an illustration and we've been talking about the cell phone, how that cell phone is kind of like us and the outlet that we plug into is the source of power. And God is our source of power. Amen. We don't get our power from anything else, but we get our power directly from God. God is our source of power. And then that cube and the charger, we've talked about how that cube, it's like, it's like the word of God that we, that we plug into and it helps distribute the power to us. And when we plug in to the word. It allows everything that we do to be in line with the word. I don't know about you, but I want every move I make to be in alignment with the word of God. Amen. I want to worship like the word. I want to pray like the word. I want to, uh, I want to, I want to fast like the word tells me to fast. And this is all part of, of that plugging into the word and it helps distribute that. And then we have that cord that we've been talking about and we've talked about the cord and it helps to channel that power. These are our disciplines, like our worship, that helps move the power of God to us. And then the phone is us. We are that thing that we need to be that needs to be charged because our spiritual batteries begin to die after a while. And today we're talking about something in that cord again. And if you know anything about a power cord, uh, if you were to cut the power cord open, don't do it when it's plugged up. Okay. 
okay? But if you ever were to uh, dissect a power cord when it's not plugged up, you would realize that there's more than one wire inside of that rubber coating, that there are lots of wires that, that, that move the, uh, the power to the, uh, to the thing that is needing to be charged. And it is the same with us. We have prayer and we have a fasting and we have worship and uh, we have all these different disciplines inside of this that makes this one cord. Why is there one cord? Because there's only one way to the Father. Amen? There's only one way to Him. And all of these things are helping us connect in one way to God. And today, we're going to talk about one of those wires that's in that cord, which is prayer. We're going to talk about prayer today. And I want you to understand this about prayer. This church would not be here today if it were not for prayer. Okay, this church, let's just be real. This church would not be here today if it were not for prayer. It will not be successful tomorrow if, it, if there is not prayer coming. Okay, so that is the importance of you praying for your church. It would not be here today if it was not for prayer. And Legacy Church will not be successful tomorrow if people are not praying. Mark my word, prayer is going to be the secret weapon of success for Legacy Church. Prayer will be the secret weapon of success for Legacy Church. Whenever we look back and we say that was a success, it's going to be because our actions rode in on the back of prayer. It's going to be prayer will be what moves us from glory to glory. Prayer will be the success of the church. It will not be our great musicians, but it will be because we prayed for great musicians. It will not be because of worship, but it will be because we prayed for people to lead us in moments of worship. It will not be because because I didn't, because I, 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 I may have had a great sermon every once in a while. No, it'll be because I humbled myself and prayed for God to give me a word. You've got to understand the success of Legacy Church. It will not be because of me. It will not be because of you. But it will be because of us lifting up prayers to him. That is what it's for. In 2018, uh, with absolutely uh, no one knowing, Sarah and I began to pray in anything prayer. And anything and everything prayer. The, those are prayers that are prayed by absolutely positively crazy people and they go something like God we will do anything you ask us to do here I am send me anything prayers are prayed by some crazy people who had a who had a moment and said, God, we will do anything that you ask us to do. God, we will do anything, just tell us. And little did we know that we were praying into existence while we are sitting in today. In those moments, we, we, we didn't even know what we were doing. But in those moments, God was collecting our prayers, amen. And he was starting to build a church that we did not even know. See, for you and I and the church to be successful, successful, we must be people of prayer. And Paul gives us such great advice in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Just jot that down. When he says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. Prayer must be a basic principle in how we live every single day. In fact, if you want to stay charged, prayer must be a part of your daily life. If you want to stay charged to the fullness, prayer must be in your daily life. But what so many people do 
and I'm talking about Christians this morning, is that they are not devoted to prayer and they do not live a lifestyle of prayer, but they just pray when they are in need of something. And then they wonder why it feels like their prayers cannot get out of the room. It's because they have not lived a life of prayer. And only praying when you need something is like letting your phone get to 1%. And then, and then you know that life-changing call that you've been expecting all day long is coming. But you let your phone get down to 1%. And praying only whenever you need help or you need an answer is like letting that phone get down to 1%. And then you get mad when you answer the phone, this life-changing call that you've been waiting on all day, and you get mad because the phone dies and you cannot receive the information that you have been waiting on. That's like, that's like you only praying uh, whenever you need an answer, whenever you only need God to pay a bill or something. It's so crazy. It's like letting your phone get all the way down when you know you are about to receive a life-changing call. A question for you today is how often Often do you charge your phone? More than likely, 99.99% of you charge your phone every single day. If you charge something that has that has no impact on your future every day, then why is the church not praying daily? Can somebody say Amen? Look at the scripture, James five and uh, James chapter five verse sixteen. Just jot it down. It says, "The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man." avails much. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous men and women, it will, it will avail much. Some just stop reading this because you feel that that one word eliminated you from the scripture being relevant to you. And that word was righteous. See, what, but, but you got to understand what kept him righteous was his prayer. It kept him in the right, in the right state. Righteous is not perfect. Amen. You can be righteous, but not be perfect. Righteous just means that you have been made right through God. And guess what? You should be made right through God every day. That's why you've got to pray every day. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, the person who's been made right with God every day, it can avail much. So hopefully you can identify with this verse. Let's read again. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, the man who's made right continuously with God, those are the prayers that can avail. See, I don't know about you, but I am so ready for the church to get out of the mind frame of, see, I bless my food, so I'm a prayer warrior. I'm ready for the church to get out of the, I just pray when I can't pay my bills. I know that's nobody in here. See, I'm ready to see a church who is starting to pray with fire because we've been playing with fire now for far too long. God is calling us to start praying with fire. Can somebody say amen this morning? I'm ready to see a generation that cannot function without prayer. Do you want to know what a generation looks like that cannot function without prayer? Walk outside of these doors and look around. 
Turn your news on. If you want to see what a generation looks like that is not functioning in prayer, just, 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 just get on your phone. Search, search CNN. Turn on Fox. And you will see what it looks like to see a generation that is not praying. I'm ready to witness a church that has fervent prayer. Amen. And they are watching things that they have been praying for come into fruition. Prayer is the direct access to God. And he is waiting to hear from you. But we've had him on hold. Call waiting. But he keeps waiting patiently to hear from us. Get this. It's the most simple thing you'll hear all day. That you've heard all of your life. Prayer changes things. You may have it on a t-shirt. You may have it on some type of decorative armband. Prayer changes things. Your prayer can be like a thermostat and change the temperature or the atmosphere in a room. Your prayer can change your work environment. Your prayer can change your marriage. Fervent prayer allows you to take control of a situation before the situation takes control of you. That's the power of prayer. And when we come into the place where, where the situation is not like we need it, it's like we just say, God, got to say, Father God, I'm inviting you into this situation and I'm declaring that this turmoil to end in peace right now. It's prayer. It's, it's taking hold of a situation before the situation gets a hold of you. See, you don't have to walk into a room and start shouting prayers. And somebody say Amen. Because I don't know about you, but there are a lot of loud people that have no power. Can somebody say amen? Your power is not always connected to your volume. Your power is connected to your prayer. And so many people want to do things loud. But I know a lot of loud people that have no spiritual power. Because the power doesn't come from your volume. But the power comes from the one who you are plugged into. And that is why in this day and time, when there's situations that we are walking into every single day, that's why we've got to be full of the power and stay connected to God. Look at this passage, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You've got homework this week. This is the passage that you need to commit to your memory. Because I'm about to give you some step-by-steps of how you can revolutionize your prayer life. Get these down. This is your homework. You need to remember this verse. This is a verse that can help you pray fervently. This is going to take you through a process of prayer that is going to change your life. And when a church starts praying like this outline, you will see the outcome here. This is all one verse. It's a very familiar verse. It says, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It starts off by saying, if, if, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It says, if. He says, I'll do it if you would just pray. He says, I'm waiting to do it if you pray. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Get this, when you begin to pray, you are humbling yourself. 
The first thing here, he says, you've got to humble yourself. Because see, praying is all about humbling yourself. Because whenever you begin to pray, you are saying, God, I need help. God, I cannot do this alone. For some people, see, some people this is going to be a struggle because of the way you have taught yourself to prayer, to pray. Because your method of prayer has been, oh God, you are great. You are Alpha and you are Omega. And I know you know it all, but God, this is what you need to do for me. God, you need to, you need to get me a job over there. God, you need to tell that man to ask me to marry him. God, you need to do these things. I am telling you, God, I know you know it all, but God, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Has anybody ever prayed one of those prayers? I believe we've all been there where we've tried to tell God what we need to do. But he says, first, you've got to humble yourself and you've got to say, God, I don't have, I don't know it all. The word says that his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. So whenever you pray, you are saying, God, I I know your ways are higher than my ways. God, I'm inviting you into this situation. I'm humbling myself because, God, I don't have the answer. God, I need your help. I can't do this alone. Prayer, you've got to humble yourself. And whenever you humble yourself, you are saying, God, I cannot do this alone. He says, first of all, if my people would just humble themselves and pray. The next task he gives after humbling and starting to pray he says, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Seek my face. Seek my face. They're not seeking their own agenda, but they're seeking my face. They're not seeking their own answers, but they're seeking my answers. He says, you've got to seek my face. It doesn't say seek your own ways. No, it says you've got to seek my face. And this is another point of struggle in prayers because guess what? The, we, we, we have grown into a generation of lookers but not seekers. Hmm. We have grown into a situation of lookers but now we are not seekers. To look means you simply the, uh, the, the dictionary said to simply turn your eyes in a direction, to look. I don't know if, you, if any of you parents have this issue, but whenever I tell my kids to go get something and they go look for it, they open up the door, they step into the room, I don't see it. I can't find it. And then you have to go into the room and you have to start seeking. And then within minutes, a lot of times you can find because the looker just look, I can't find it. And so many times, how many times have we stepped into prayer as lookers where we just say, you're supposed to pray, you're supposed to pray every day. And we get there and we say, God, help me. Well, I don't, I don't have the answer. It's been five minutes. I'm through praying. And then we go on. No, God says to seek by faith. Because see, whenever you start seeking for something, you start start going through the room and start turning things over. You start moving things out of the way. The things that the devil put in your path to distract your prayer life, you can tell that's of the devil because you've been seeking and you begin to move things out of the way. If you were to lose your brand new iPhone right now in your living room, guess what you would do? You would not go and say, I don't know where it's at. I'm going. No. You would wreck that living room up. You would be kicking over couches. You'd be blaming it on your kids. You'd be pulling out cushions. Would you not? Some of you know you have done it before. 
before. You would be seeking. Why? Because you are because you want that thing that, 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 that you are searching for. Seeking is all about staying somewhere until you find what you've been looking for. And so many people can't stay mm, in prayer. They're not seekers. They're simply just lookers. And, and, but that is what it's all about. Seekers know how to stay somewhere until they get the answer. God is looking for a generation of people who can pray. They are seeking. They're not looking, but they're just seeking his face. And whenever you start seeking his face, that is when it becomes fervent. That is when he starts to answer something. One time I was at a youth camp. I was working it. I actually think it was a fall retreat. And I'm riding a mechanical bull. Okay? And around it was an inflatable, so whenever you fall off, you're not hurt. It was really big. There were tons of people in line waiting. They're, all, they're, they're lined up around it looking. You know, and I'm up there showing off, and I'm throwing my hand up. And whenever I threw my hand up, my ring fell off of my finger. And I saw it going up. And it landed, it went between the bull and the inflatable. And I get off and I tell the man, I got to get my ring. And he said, no, 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 I can't, I can't turn this thing off. You're going to have to wait two hours whenever we close this thing down. And then you're going to come back and you're going to find your ring. And I looked at him and said, I'm not leaving until I get my ring. And he said, oh, I'm not unplugging it. And I said, no, you are going to unplug this thing. You are going to deflate this inflatable. We are going to pull this thing apart and I'm going to get my ring. And finally, because I insisted, finally, after seeking, he unplugged the thing. All the kids are grappling. I'm looking at them like, shut up. I'm trying to find my ring. I am a seeker. See, God is looking for a generation of people that will not stop when somebody says, no, it's not possible, but they know the power of God and they are praying fervently and they are seeking him. God is looking for somebody who will not take no for an answer and they just push and push and they bombard heaven with prayer and they are fervent. He is looking. The word fervent means to glow bright. He is looking for prayers that are like fire. He is looking for somebody to stop playing with fire, but start praying with fire. He is looking for seekers, but we've become lookers. So not only do you have to humble yourself and then pray and then seek his face, but it says, turn from your wicked ways. This is another difficult part of prayer. The turning See, you can't turn unless you repent. And you repent through your prayers. You should repent every single day. You should get everything under the blood every single day. It's a process. See, to repent simply means that you were headed towards sin or you were headed in the wrong direction. You were walking somewhere maybe with a hardened heart and you, and, and you could not function the way God wanted you to. You were headed somewhere with a bad attitude. You were headed somewhere and then, and then something touches you. It may have been a song. It may have been a word. It may have been a message. And then you turn or you repent from that. Get this. These are all things that he's asking you to do. Praying or humbling yourself, praying, seeking his face, 
turning from your wicked ways? He said, look, these are all things you are to do. But God, I I thought you were going to do all this. No, no, he said, no. Prayer, this is a relationship. This goes two ways. He said, these are the things that you are to be doing. This is the way your prayer life should be looking every single day. Every single day you should humble yourself. Every single day you should pray. Every single day you should seek my face. Every single day you need, you, you need to repent. You need to turn from your ways. He said, get this. These are all things you have to do. But, 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 but when you do these things, but whenever you start to pray, he's like, look, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to humble you. I'm not going to seek my own face on your behalf. I'm not going to snap my fingers and make it happen and turn your and turn it just your way. No, he said, these are things that you have to do to hold up to your end of this relationship. He said, but whenever you do these things, just listen to what I will do for you. Whenever you hold up your side of this covenant, when you do these things because you've been plugged into me and because you've been devoted to me and because I have transferred power to you, just look at what I will do for you. He says, this is what I will do for you. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal your land. Wow. That, my friend, is the power of daily prayer. He says, then I will hear from heaven. He said, after you've done all of these things, then I will hear from heaven. I don't know about you, but that kind of steps on my toes. We've been looking for answers. He said, I'm giving you how to get it. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will hear their land. He said, in other words, when you become plugged in and you get devoted, he says, the first thing to do, I will hear you. I will forgive you. And I will provide that need for you. So whenever you get this verse memorized and in your spirit, your prayer life will gain confidence. And guess what? You are to do this daily. Do what? Humble yourself, pray, seek his face, and turn from your wicked ways. If a generation of people would learn this method of prayer that has been recorded in the Bible for thousands of years, it would revolutionize lives. It would revolutionize churches. I want you to get these three things in your notes. There are three reasons why we pray. The first reason is it is an invitation to God. God wants an invitation from you. God is not just going to step into, God is not going to bump. God is longing for you to send him an invitation. And you give him an invitation into your season by prayer. Prayer is an invitation to God because he is just like a lot of you. See, some of you can't stand knowing the fact that others got invited, but you didn't. Amen. Whenever you see somebody got invited on Facebook, you get mad. I don't know why they didn't invite me. In in, in this modern terms, it's called FOMO, the fear of missing out. You, You have a fear of not being invited. You have a fear of not getting an invitation. Guess what? God is the same way. The Word tells us that, guess what? He is a jealous God, and He wants to hear from you every single day. He wants an invitation into this season of your life. Revelation 3.20 says, guess what? It says, behold... 
I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, just open the door and I will come in. I will eat with that person and they with me. He says, look, I'm not going to knock the door down. I just want you to open it for me. I need an invitation. God wants to be in your mess. God wants to be in your season. God wants to be in your marriage. But first, you've got to pray and open it up for him. And although he is alpha and he's omega, and although he's omnipotent, and although he is all-knowing, guess what? He still is waiting for an invitation from you. You want God in your home? Pray. It's an invitation for him to come in. You want God in your marriage? Pray for your marriage because it's an invitation for God to come into your marriage. You want God in this season of your life? Pray because it's an invitation for him to come into that season of your life. Guess what? A lot of people simply give God an invitation when they receive salvation and he never hears from them again. He says, but behold, I'm still knocking. I want to hear from you every day. God wants a daily invitation. And when you don't pray, guess what? You are saying, God, I don't need you today. Wow. When you've not prayed for a week, you're saying, God, I don't, I don't need you this week. Some of you, it may have been years since you've prayed. Guess what? You, it's like you are saying to him, God, I don't need you this year of my life. That's the power of prayer. The second thing I want you to understand why we pray is communication with God. It is one-on-one time between you and God. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is both of you talking back and forth to each other and listening. It was, it was meant for daily communication. From the very beginning of time, Adam was talking and walking with God every single day. It was God's plan for humanity. It was what he wanted from his creation. Imagine if you went an entire week without any food or water. How would you feel? That is why so many Christians are drained today and they are depleted and they have lost their charge. They have lost their power because the only time that you talk to God is on a Sunday whenever someone stands up and says, open up your mouth to him. And by the middle of the week, you are spiritually depleted. This year must be a year of prayer for you. And the third thing, the reason that we pray is that prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. Get this. Prayer is the thing that has the ability to go into situations before I ever get there. Prayer has the ability to go behind locked doors that I will never go behind. Prayer has the ability to go places that you will never be invited to. Guess what? If you've been praying for your president, guess what? Your prayers have been accumulating in the Oval Office. Your prayers are already there. I don't know about you, but that just that just that just excites me because to know I can be praying for something around this world and my prayers are accumulating in that situation. It's like whenever we were praying for this church, guess what was happening? 
We did not even know where the place was. We had not even signed the lease. We didn't even know where we would be. But our prayers were just waiting in this room before we even got here. They were accumulating. See, the word tells us, or the, the, the word tells us in Revelation chapter 5, I believe it's verse 8. This was all coming to me during worship. We were talking about incense. The word tells us that there are 24 elders up in heaven. And it says that it says that the bowls are being filled with incense. It says, or the prayers of his people. Can, do you know what that means? There are elders in heaven. They are holding golden bowls and your prayers are being accumulated in the heavens. That should make somebody shout today. Because guess what? Whenever you pray to the Father, guess what he does? He then turns around and puts your prayer with the elders. He puts your prayers with the elders. Your elders are simply up in heaven holding bowls full of your prayers. And guess what? All this time, I've been, I've been, I've been, uh, I was thinking, whenever the verse we were reading says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. It says, then I will hear from heaven. And I was thinking, God, how does God hear from heaven? And it just hit me during this song. Do you know what it is? The elders are simply there and the bowl begins to reach its capacity. It be, your, your fervent prayers begin to have a weight in heaven. And it says, God, God says, I, w- I, I will hear from heaven. You know what I believe it is? I believe the elders saying, hey, Father, they have prayed and they have prayed and they have been fervent prayers. And then God looks over and he shakes his head at the elders and the elders tip the prayer bowls as it is called in the scripture. And guess what is poured out? That is when he begins to pour out miracles. That's whenever he becomes to pour out answers. That's when you see the fruits of your labor. Just like, can you imagine it? God looking over today because he has heard your prayers and he gives your elder the nod and your elder turns over the prayer bowls and miracles start pouring out. Guess what? If you want to see every seed in here, full, guess what? You need to begin to pray because God is looking for the elders saying, you just give me the sign and when they have come together, when they have prayed, I will pour out every soul. I will fill every chair. I'll go two services. I'll go three services. I'll go four services. As much as they're praying, I'll continue to pour out on them. That is the power of prayer. An elder up in heaven is holding your prayer bowl. It's in the scripture. And when God sees you humbling yourself and praying, when God sees you turning from your wicked ways, he gives the nod and he, they pour out the blessing of your prayer. Whew. That should excite somebody right there. That your prayers are not just lost in space, but God hears your prayers and then he puts them in the bowl for the elders to pour out on. You've got to understand that is the power of prayer and prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. Prayer has the ability to knock on someone's heart before you ever have a conversation with them. I've had to have some hard conversations as a pastor and I start praying before I get there. Just why? So God, so the prayers can go before me and just start loosening somebody's hearts up. Prayer is a weapon that the devil cannot even see. And just like worship last week, guess what? The world will not pray to God until the church begins to pray to God. 
The world will not worship him until the church worships him. And the church will not pray to God until, uh, the, the world will not pray to God until the church starts praying to God. The church right now, turn on your news and guess what? The church is crying out. Put prayer back in our schools because everything changed in America when they took prayer out of our schools. But guess what? We want prayer back in our schools, but we will not even pray in our own homes. We will not even pray in our own churches. If we have times of prayer, we may have five people come throughout the week, but we want God to put prayer back into our uh, educational institution. Guess what? Families need more prayer than our educational units need prayer because the devil is after the family and we are crying out, put prayer back, but we will not even pray in our own homes. Woo! And we wonder what is wrong with our America. Because somebody needs to leave this place today, walk into their house, and begin to bind some things with prayer. Because whenever you start praying fervently, the devil knows the sound of a fervent prayer. He knows the sound of a looker prayer, and he knows the tarrying of someone who is seeking and they're not going to stop until they see the heavens open. They're not going to stop. Somebody just needs to walk into your house and start binding some things and say, depression, you got to leave this house. Sickness, pack your bags. You can't stay anymore. Fear, you, you cannot live here any longer. God is calling to a generation of people inside of the church. Begin to pray. Fill up the bowls of heaven so that I can hear from heaven and pour you out a blessing. Stand with me today. Ben, help me out today. Prayer. It changes things. Get this in your mind. Get this in your mind. Prayer impacts the mind of God. Your prayer can change God's mind. Huh. Exodus 32. Moses is going up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He thought everything was fine. He's going to get the law. He's going to go spend time with God. And on his way up the mountain, Guess what? They start to build false idols. They start melting down their gold. And they start building a calf to worship. How crazy. The leader thought everything was great. I'm going to get the law. And when the cat's away, the mice come out to play. And they forget everything that they had been taught. And it's like they jump off the deep end and they start worshiping a golden cow. Verse 7, chapter 32. Then the Lord said to Moses, I love this because it's, 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 it's kind of funny. He says, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. 
how many of you see now before this verse God is saying my people now when they're acting like a fool go get your people how many of you have ever said to your spouse your child is acting like a fool your child it's all of a sudden like you just disown it like they, they they didn't get that from me your child your genetics are coming through your child this is God in this moment all this time it's been my people my people my my Israel now he's like Moses go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt. I didn't bring them up. I'm not even taking credit for this one. You did this. They have become credit. They, They become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them. They have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down. They have humbled themselves to something else other than me. They have sacrificed to it and they have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. The Lord said, I have seen these people, not my people. I have seen these people, Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. He said, they are hard-headed, just like you, Moses. I have seen them. He says, looks at Moses and says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them then I will make you into a great nation. He says, I will destroy them. I will destroy an entire nation. Leave me alone because I'm about to wipe them off the face of this earth. So frustrated. God was about to put them in judgment. God was about to literally wipe out a nation. But listen to the prayers of Moses. Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. He prayed, Lord, Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? He said, why should the Egyptians say? He's like, God, do you want other people to look at this and say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them on the mountain and wipe them off the face of the earth? He says, Lord, turn your fierce anger. He says, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. He says, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self when you said to them, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promise them and it will be their inheritance forever. Moses starts praying, dear God, don't wipe out this generation. And in verse 14, it says, the Lord heard him. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. You want to know the power of your prayers? Your prayers can impact the mind of our God. That is how much power is in your mouth this morning. Your prayer has the power to impress the mind of God. That is the power that God has given a generation of people. He said, I just want you to humble yourself. I just want you to pray. And if you will humble yourself and pray and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear. And I will do something for you.
that will revolutionize your season, that will turn your church upside down, that will turn your nation upside down, if, just if, you would just pray. Can we just bow our heads just for a moment and close our eyes today?